chapter ten of the widow married a sequel to the widow barnaby by francis milton trollope this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter ten all preliminaries happily arranged mr allen o'donagough and his suite set off for brighton emotions produced on the mind of miss martha by looking out of the window mr allen o'donagough appears in a new dress he makes a new and rather dangerous experiment but it answers if the result of mr allen o'donagough's experiment upon the memory of the billiard-marker had been productive of satisfaction to himself its consequences were more gratifying still to his lady little as he had said about it his private intention had been to keep as much as possible out of the way of general hubert and all the brilliant set in which he presumed him to move till he should be prepared to meet him advantageously the first step towards this was the ascertaining that his own altered appearance was likely to prevent all danger of disagreeable reminiscences the second must of course consist in preparations for assuming such an appearance and manner of life as might justify the ambitious hope of being received as a relation to this he attached quite as much importance as his wife though he said much less about it and was determined to hazard more and run greater risks to obtain it than it ever entered in her head to hope for mr allen o'donagough had ever been a man of spirit and enterprise and having paid the penalty almost inevitable in his line upon indulging with too little caution in the display of his peculiar talents he now determined with ripened age and ripened wisdom to carry on business with that species of boldness and prudence united which is only to be found in the very highest class of his profession during many years of his residence in new south wales his purpose had been to make paris the theatre of his future experiments but he saw or fancied he saw in the remarkable accident which had brought him within reach of such persons as his wife claimed kindred with the possibility of a career infinitely more distinguished than he had ever before ventured to hope for there was considerable sagacity displayed in the reasoning by which he convinced himself that the very circumstances that seemed to render such hopes almost ridiculously audacious would in reality make their attainment easy had general hubert and the wealthy and distinguished persons with whom he was connected been less completely above all and everything with which mr allen o'donagough had mixed himself during his former life there might and must have been danger notwithstanding his changed appearance of such accidental allusions to past scenes as it might have been very difficult to get over but as it was nothing of the kind could be at all likely to occur and having once made up his mind to hazard as a necessary outlay a considerable portion of the money he had contrived to make he became almost as impatient to open the campaign as mrs o'donagough herself during the course of the following day much business was got through by inquiries made according to mrs o'donagough's suggestion in berkeley square it was ascertained that general hubert's family were at brighton by boldly parading through all the different haunts where formerly he was best known mr o'donagough found there was no danger whatever of his being recognized as the flash major allen once so conspicuous among them by the placing an english bank-note for twenty pounds in the hands of his wife with a declaration that it was to be wholly expended in the decoration of herself and her daughter he produced in the hearts of both a throb of pleasure which few things in this life can equal and laid the foundation of two wardrobes which were destined for years to be the admiration of many beholders and by placing himself in the hands of a first-rate german artist in st james street he was not only sure of coming forth from them as near in shape and air to the standard he desired to obtain as it was possible for mortal shears to make him but with as much safety as any precaution could ensure of not permitting his person to be studied by any operator who had ever enjoyed that advantage before 
in addition to all this the active o'donagough contrived before the day was half over to have himself and his appendages established in private lodgings in hatton garden where by the aid of a neighbouring ham-shop and a little lodging-house cookery they contrived to live for a week at very trifling expense but what a week of ecstasy it was and how fully was it demonstrated in the case of mrs o'donagough that mind is omnipotent over matter few people enjoyed nice things as she was wont to call them that is to say such eating as particularly suited her fancy with more keen relish than mrs o'donagough yet during this week of strongly excited sensibilities although nothing of an edible nature was set before her that she could upon reflection approve she scarcely uttered a murmur tough steaks and greasy cutlets appeared and were consumed almost without an observation while the soaring spirit enjoyed a banquet in the contemplation of caps bonnets gowns and mantles not yet perceptible to the eye perhaps but of which the intellectual faculties were fully cognizant which rendered all grosser gratifications contemptible i do enjoy my porter though uttered after the dismissal of a peculiarly unmanageable specimen of what is called animal food was almost the only symptom betrayed by mrs o'donagough of her being alive to anything of the kind at length industrious man had done his part and industrious woman also the things were all sent home and all that remained to be done before their places were taken for brighton was to pack them up as patty said so that they might all come out looking as lovely and beautiful as when they were put in and where are we to leave all the rubbish we have brought over donny while we make this delightful little trip inquired his lady mr o'donagough had hired a garret in the house for the purpose mr o'donagough had secured three outside places by the earliest coach mr o'donagough had with his own hands brought home a little basket in which their necessary refreshments during the following day were to be deposited in short mr o'donagough had forgotten nothing well now everything seems smooth before us said mrs o'donagough over their last hatton garden tea-table oh my darling agnes how i do long to get at her by the bye donny i do think it was rather silly of you never to let me mention to her the time of our coming over if i had they would be expecting us and i am not quite certain if i should not like that better than taking them by surprise we have discussed that matter already my dear replied her peaceable husband my notion was that it should be better to take them by surprise and i think so still well that's settled now so there's no good in talking any more about it but don't you think that if there were any of them to see patty and me scrambling down from the top of the coach they might think it did not look as we were really people of fashion as you have all along promised we should be said his wife mr allen o'donagough paused a little before he replied this was one of the points upon which his system of tactics dictated very strong regulations and though he was very sleepy and much more inclined to doze than to talk having secured himself from slipping off the horsehair bottom chair by fixing his feet upon the mantelpiece he roused himself sufficiently to express what he thought the occasion called for as to that my dear and indeed as to all things of the same kind it is quite necessary that you and patty too should understand matters thoroughly at once i do mean that we should appear like people of fashion i am making immense sacrifices and running enormous risks for this purpose but it is altogether childish and silly to suppose that this can be done by people no richer than we are without a vast deal of very clever management the real secret is mrs o'donagough to keep all our contrivances out of sight 
and if you can find out the way to do that it don't signify a single straw what saving tricks you practise behind the scenes as to my driving about the country like your fine cousins and nieces and i don't know what all it is a perfect madness to dream of such a thing i give you my honour that i should be in jail before i was six months older but if we all carry on the war upon the same principle setting our wits to work one and all to save money when nobody is looking at us and to spend it in good style when they are we may go on making an excellent appearance and with no danger of getting into a scrape either do you understand what i mean patty oh dear yes papa i do indeed and i think it is a very good way i never do care how dirty or shabby my clothes are when i am out of sight so that i can be smart when i go out to be seen was the young lady's reply kiss me darling said the delighted father who was really becoming more fond of her every day that is exactly the principle on which we must all act and i hope mrs o d that you intend to be as reasonable about it as your daughter let me alone for that sort of thing o'donagough i don't believe that there is a woman in the world who would be more capable of sacrificing everything to the making a good appearance than i should i was always brought up from my earliest infancy to think a great deal of it my poor dear mother i am sure never thought of anything else and i should be sorry if my daughter did not come after me with the same right feelings all that is to be said therefore about this going outside is just that we must take care not to be seen or known that is quite right my dear and speaking like yourself this time of course there can be no danger as nobody that you ever saw in your life before would be likely to find you out on the top of the brighton coach however as a general rule it may be well to remember that on all such occasions the best and safest way is to make yourself look as little like what you are as possible so that instead of being rather better dressed than the rest of the company on the top of a coach people that understand the sort of thing that we have in view would take care to be the worst for just observe now supposing we sat opposite to some sharp-sighted body who having scoured us from hat to toe should make up his wise noddle to believe that we were tallow chandlers taking our daughter from the melting to get a puff of sea air well suppose that same person saw us afterwards in the very best and grandest society would he not be ten times less likely to know us in our fine traps than if we had worn something in the same shape and fashion when he met us on the coach that's very true my dear said mrs o'donagough and late as it is i think i shall take the hint and make some little alteration in what i was going to wear you understand the sort of thing patty that your papa means don't you my dear yes to be sure i do and you shall see if i can't make a good sight of myself replied miss patty starting away from the tea-table and seizing upon one of the bonnets that lay on the top of a trunk ready for the morrow she began to take out pins and demolish bows at a great rate my dear child what are you about cried her mother you ain't going to waste all that good ribbon i hope waste it how can you talk such nonsense mamma as if that was what papa wanted no i won't waste it but do just look here don't i look like a vulgar dowdy well to be sure fine feathers do make fine birds there is no denying it said mrs o'donagough looking with some mixture of vexation at martha's very successful attempt to make herself look like a vulgar dowdy capital girl cried her father chuckling she is up to everything at an early hour the next morning the active enterprising hopeful trio were making as much noise in their sitting-room as if a dozen ordinary persons were about to take their departure from it pray pray don't set that box up on end it has got both our best bonnets in it cried the elder lady 
oh my that's all the artificial flowers for mamma and me screamed the young one fiercely extricating a deal case from the hands of the maid who was irreverently jerking it out of the way make the tea can't you bawled mr o'donagough to his wife the branch coach will be here in a minute and i positively will not stir an inch till i have had my breakfast at length however they were snugly accommodated father mother daughter packages and all not only on the branch coach but on the very vehicle itself that was to convey them to the goal of their wishes but this was not effected without some difficulty mrs o'donagough was large and none of her adventures had hitherto accustomed her to such a degree of activity as was necessary to bring her to the place she was to occupy so that the assistance of a man putting the last touch to the luggage on the roof as well as that of mr o'donagough who was stationed below was required to aid the operation the young lady had skipped up with great agility the moment her father indicated to her the place where she was to sit and while her mamma was mounting she stood up clapping her hands and shouting with laughter as she watched the difficult process after this first impediment to their setting off had been overcome however nothing could be more prosperous or satisfactory than their journey the whole family each in their respective style ably sustained the incognito which had been enjoined mr o'donagough during the entire distance preserved total silence mrs o'donagough talked a good deal it being an exercise to which she was too much accustomed to leave it off without great inconvenience but she so cautiously avoided every allusion to her own dignity and so steadily abstained from addressing either of her companions by name that a young sussex farmer who was the person to whom she chiefly addressed herself would have been a very clever fellow indeed had her conversation left information of any kind upon his mind miss o'donagough as steadily kept in view the part she had to perform as either father or mother but this did not prevent her from looking pretty constantly in the face of the young farmer thinking however all the time how very much handsomer her dear jack was according to his usual system mr o'donagough while appearing to consult his wife on many points with the most amiable conjugal confidence had hitherto uttered nothing definitive respecting his projects on arriving at brighton and in this he acted wisely as before he could be said to know what he intended himself he had one or two little experiments to make and one or two questions to ask the first words he had been heard to utter since he placed himself beside his daughter on the top of the vehicle were spoken to that young lady as soon as herself and her ponderous mamma were once more safely lodged on the pavement and they ran thus as he eyed the waiter who came forth from the hotel at which the coach stopped i suppose the thing you would like best to do just at present would be to eat wouldn't it well done you for a good guess papa replied miss patty in high glee and you couldn't be more right if i had been a glass case and you had seen through me tis good news hearing that word isn't it mamma indeed it is patty replied mrs o'donagough i feel perfectly sinking and exhausted it is no joke travelling from london to brighton with nothing on earth to keep soul and body together but a miserable dry sandwich of salt ham come come let's have no grumbling cried mr o'donagough turning sharply round from the waiter to whom he had been giving his orders if you will follow this person upstairs he will show you into a sitting-room while i see after all your multitude of boxes grumbling muttered mrs o'donagough in reply i should like to know where the most grumbling comes from but perceiving her husband to be no longer within hearing she peaceably followed the waiter into the room to which he led them and only indulged herself by saying as he opened or shut the window drew the blinds up or drew them down or employed himself on some other of the numerous assiduities which denote the presence of a waiter 
let everything in the way of refreshment which the gentleman has ordered be of the very best that the place can furnish and let it all be brought with as little delay as possible that is i mean to say instantly why mamma cried miss patty who the instant the waiter had quitted the window flew to throw it open as widely as the sash would permit this place is more lovely ten times over than even london itself my what a sight of beautiful full-dressed gentlemen i do see crossing along at the bottom of the street and such bonnets i shall grow wild i can tell you that if i am kept in long either for eating or drinking or anything else why there's officers by dozens mamma oh my goodness what a delightful place her indulgent mother did not long delay to station her own ample person beside the juvenile form of her delighted daughter and so much was there within reach of their eager eyes as they fearlessly thrust forward their heads and shoulders to obtain a view of the point where the street opened upon the marine parade that hungry as they were the cold meat and porter arrived before they had more than once turned round their heads to look for them mr o'donagough entered in the wake of the tray and for some reason or other seemed in high good humour come along both of ye he exclaimed gaily the deuce is in it if you are not ready tis wonderful how quickly the sea air gets hold of one and then seating himself before a prodigious mass of cold beef he began to handle the cutlass-like weapon which was placed beside it with such skilful zeal that his fair companion seemed to forget for a while all earthly blessings save such as he heaped upon the plates before them and what do you think of brighton miss patty said he as distinctly as his occupation would allow it is a beautiful divine glory of a place papa replied patty and i am sure i shall like it a monstrous deal better than london it really does seem an enchanting spot donny said his wife setting down an empty beer-glass of majestic size and if things go on well here about the huberts and everything else you know i do hope and trust you will give us a decent lodging and let us enjoy ourselves i shall be able to tell you more about it my dear an hour hence replied mr allen o'donagough continuing to carve and to eat with a degree of celerity that not only showed his seaward appetite but proved his time to be precious as soon as you have done eating you must go into the room where i have had all the luggage stowed and let us see what's what a little you must unpack right away the trunk that has the things which came from the tailor's for me and patty when you have done cramming i'll get you to look out my shaving tackle i shall want the key of the hat-box too come along both of ye there's good girls lor papa do stop a moment you never do care for tarts like mamma and me tisn't fair to take us away in the very midst of our treat said patty making however no unnecessary delay as she spoke you must stop a little if you please added his wife in like manner continuing her employment with all possible activity tis such abominable extravagance to pay for things and not eat them mr allen o'donagough listened to reason and continued to amuse himself with a crust of bread and cheese till the last tartlet disappeared when starting up he exclaimed now for it then i want to be stirring i promise you but to be sure you are not going to dress yourself in new clothes before you go out to look for lodgings mr o'donagough are you patty and i must go as we are i can tell you that said mrs o'donagough i declare i will do no such thing mamma cried the young lady bursting into open rebellion i would no more go out and meet all those beautiful officers in that horrid bonnet and shawl than i'd fly i would rather be whipped a great deal nonsense patty replied her mother it is much better to do that i can tell you than to begin the thing half and half 
you may be quite sure my dear that there is not one of them will know you again when they see you in your pink satin bonnet and your beautiful pink scarf don't trouble yourself to squabble any more about it for you are not to go out with me at present let your dress be what it may said the gentleman not go out with you o'donagough replied his wife with equal disappointment and surprise why you don't mean to take lodgings for us without ever letting me see them no my dear of course not for my eyes i'm not going to take lodgings mrs o'donagough but only just to take a look at the place and judge whether our taking lodgings here at all would be likely to answer or not mrs o'donagough understood her husband's voice and knew that he most certainly would go out alone so without further opposition she prepared to obey his behests and having done her part in finding the various articles he wanted left the room followed by her daughter without making any further observations on his mode of proceeding but though she made the chamber door in some degree slam after her the sitting-room window soon restored her good humour and she and her daughter continued to recreate themselves by gazing through it at all things within reach of their eyes wholly insensible to the progress of time how long they had remained thus pleasantly engaged they would have been at a loss to say when at length their attention was drawn from without by the opening of the door behind them they both turned their heads at the same moment and saw a gentleman enter the room whom at the first glance neither of them recognized yet nevertheless it was no other than mr o'donagough himself he was dressed very handsomely in a suit which though not exactly mourning and not exactly clerical might at the first glance have been mistaken for either but the circumstance which though seemingly trifling made the change in his general appearance the most remarkable was his having substituted a white muslin cravat without any shirt-collar being visible for his usual black stock above which was wont to rise two well-stiffened ears of dimensions considerably larger than common this and the metamorphosis his hair had undergone which when he left the room had been sable silvered but when he re-entered it it presented a wavy yet closely fitted outline of locks nearly flaxen made him look so totally unlike himself that when at length his wife and daughter became aware of his identity they both burst into violent laughter what on earth o'donagough have you been doing to yourself cried his wife as soon as she recovered the power of speaking you look fifty times more like a methodist parson than anything else your coat and all that is very new and very nice certainly but i can't say i approve the change at all what with your shaving and all the rest you have altogether lost the look of a man of fashion which i used to admire so much in you mr o'donagough looked steadily in his wife's face for half a moment and then said very gravely i am not so young as i have been my dear any more than yourself and i am inclined to think now that a respectable appearance is more to be desired than a dashing one the steady look was not removed for another half-moment after he had finished speaking and when it was his wife had not only ceased to laugh but said in accents quite as demure as his own i am sure i am quite of the same opinion mr o'donagough when one is going to mix with families of distinction there is nothing so important as an air of dignity and-and of superior style and character and all that sort of thing you look very nice indeed mr o'donagough and i promise you i for one shall be exceedingly angry with patty if ever she gives a look or says a word or giggles and titters or gives any sign whatever of your appearing different from what you used to do you may depend upon it my dear patty knows a great deal better than to do anything half so vulgar and silly she certainly knows very little about most things as yet but she is not such a fool either as to laugh at her own father or try to make other people laugh at him on account of his dress or anything else 
if i am laughed at she will be quite sure that no very great notice will be taken of her you need not be afraid of me said patty turning again to the window papa knows how to take care of himself and what will go down best with the grandee cousins you talk so much about there's no doubt about that and so he don't take it into his head that i ought to look like an old quiz too i shall say nothing to nobody about him that's a first-rate girl mrs o d and if the fair play is given her i'll lay my life on it she will make her fortune said the well-satisfied father it is not the first time that has been said of her my dear replied his wife with a nod of the head that meant a great deal it is not a little that will content me for her i promise you but get along donny don't waste any more time talking i shall be dying to see you back again and know something about what's to become of us next mr o'donagough obeyed her but said nothing and his wife being rather tired of standing drew a chair to the window and seating herself beside the still unwearied patty beguiled the time by teaching her how to know colonels majors captains and lieutenants by their uniforms mr o'donagough meanwhile with a hat of rather larger dimensions than was at that time usual and a stout elderly-looking walking-stick sallied forth to perambulate the streets of brighton for the first time for rather more than fifteen years had he however been a greater stranger there still he might have taken less pains in preparing for this expedition but the time had been when few places knew him better and before he could conscientiously feel himself justified in indulging his wife of his bosom by once more taking up his quarters there he deemed it necessary to ascertain how lasting might be the impression he had left on the minds of the permanent inhabitants here too as in the familiar purlieus of leicester square there were haunts over the nature and destination of which time seemed to have no power where billiard-balls rolled in days of yore he found them rolling still the same sights and the same sounds greeted him in the self-same places and so little changed was the aspect of these minor features that till he looked more widely around him and perceived that unless brick and mortar had obeyed the commands of some enchanted lamp years must have indeed passed since he last stood there he could almost have fancied that he had pocketed his last brighton winnings but yesterday though very far in general from being the plaything of his own imagination mr allen o'donagough stood hesitating for a moment whether or not he should enter a certain doorway leading to what he remembered to have been the most approved rendezvous for gentlemen of his own class when brighton was one of his many homes it was not because he feared the keen eye of a marker when much less carefully equipped for such an encounter he had stood this test triumphantly despite even his pretty hazard but fifteen years before there dwelt in that dusky mansion a pair of the brightest eyes that had ever looked upon him the light young figure too and the gay ready smile of her to whom they belonged were as fresh in his memory as if he had left these also but yesterday he had made this reckless thoughtless thing believe he loved her and in return she had given but too certain proof that she loved him the house before which he stood had been her father's did she dwell there still and would she know him these were the questions which caused the middle-aged respectable-looking mr allen o'donagough to pause and hesitate before a door which he ought to have entered quickly or have passed with scorn he felt that he might be exposing himself needlessly to a great risk but yet the trial might be worth making for if successful he conceived it impossible he could ever be tormented by such doubts and fears again this consideration at length nerved him to the enterprise and he went in there was the same scent of ill-extinguished lamps as he advanced and as it seemed the identical much-worn oilcloth under his feet 
there was too within a glass enclosure at the foot of the staircase a gaily dressed female it was there exactly there that his bright-eyed susan used to sit it was there he had seen her for the first time and there little as she guessed it at the moment and little perhaps as he himself intended it should be so he had looked upon her the last he now stared at the stout gaudily decked woman before him and though feeling something perhaps a little akin to disappointment it was a relief to know that there was not any danger to be run from deep impressions on poor susan's memory they are playing upstairs as usual i suppose said he stopping before the open window-frame at which sat the capacious barmaid the woman started and looked up but as soon as her eyes encountered the respectable figure of mr o'donagough she looked down again upon the page on which she was writing and quietly replied yes sir that glance however which had sufficed to deceive her had undeceived him they were susan's eyes and none either that had looked upon him and though girlish delicacy of every kind was sadly merged and lost in most coarse womanhood he felt perfectly sure of the identity is the room crowded ma'am he resumed willing again to see those beautiful eyes so altered yet the same again the woman started and before she answered drew aside a curtain that obscured the light of the window behind her when the last light of the setting sun fell full upon his face but this instead of producing danger most effectually saved him from it the susan of former days again looked steadily at him for a moment and then slightly smiling probably at the suspicion to which his voice had given birth she replied upon my word sir i don't know as if affronted by the abruptness of the reply he turned suddenly away and walked out she does not know me he murmured as he went and if she does not no one will there was perhaps one little grain of mortification mixed in the full bushel of satisfaction produced by this experiment but if so our adventurer was too wise a man to sift for it with an alert and active step he repaired to the more fashionable part of the gay town and within a little more than one hour of the time he had left them mr o'donagough returned to his family with the agreeable intelligence that he had seen some very handsome apartments on the marine parade and that they might take possession of them immediately if they approved of them End of chapter 10